You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Uh, the dust is starting to settle a little bit, Andy, and uh, it's a perfect time to open up the Locked on Lakers podcast mailbag. Of course, you get to us at Cam Brothers on Twitter, Brothers at gmail.com on email. And if you leave a five-star review on iTunes, we'll read your question even or your comment, even if it's really, really mean to us. Yeah, as um, long as it's five stars, though, that is extremely important. Conversely, you can say the nicest things in the world about us. You give us four stars or less, we ain't reading crap, man. And that's why, Andy? Algorithms, man. Algorithms. It's all right. algorithms. About that. Um, so we got some great questions sent to us that we'll get to. Uh, try to get to some stuff about the, the the kind of the rest of the Western Conference and where the Lakers stand um, as uh, title contenders, both you know certainly in the West and then broadly across the league, who the biggest threats are. We've got some questions about that. Got a really interesting question about super teams and what defines a super team, which we'll try to get to. Um, but Andy, I got to say, in many of the questions that we got, um, we're we're focused on some form of lineups, which kind of yeah. makes sense because now that we basically know who's going to be on the team, people want to know how this thing's going to be put together. So um, a bunch of questions that we got that we'll start with. Um, from uh, we want tacos uh, 21 on Twitter at Lakers in my blood on Twitter, twin daddy Josh on Twitter, all versions of the same kinds of questions about the starting lineup uh, and closing lineups and all that. So we'll start with we want tacos. What are your regular season starting and closing lineups? Um, well, well I was thinking about starting lineups. I was thinking about this, Brian, and for starting, I ultimately landed on what I think it'll be versus what I think it should be. All right. um, the lineup that I think will ultimately end up starting is a backcourt of Russell Westbrook and Kent Bazemore, then a front court of LeBron, AD, Marc Gasol. That, that is ultimately what I, what I think they're going to end up going with. Uh, I think Gasol is going to be more of a nominal starter than anything else. But yeah, like six I minutes, have, six to seven minutes or whatever. He's going to play about maybe 14, 15 minutes a night. I right. Think. Um, but if I had to guess, that is the way I think things will open before I go to where I think they should. Um, is that more or less what you had in mind? It is. I mean, and, and this is what I think is, I mean, I, I think the Gasol part, I 100% agree with. I think we talked about this last week. If AD is not going to start at the five, and I don't think he is, I, I think, you know, we got we got a question of this actually, Calzone88 um, on Twitter, Elliot Calzone. Uh, asked the question, you know, we've heard reports that AD was going to spend a lot more time at the five. LeBron would slide to the four. Um, with the current roster construction, do you think the Lakers' best lineup features AD at the five? Yes. The answer is that the answer is yes this year. The answer was yes last year. And the answer was yes two years ago. Um, that said, I don't think he's going to start at the five. And I, you're going to have the big three on the floor. The big three and Dwight Howard, I mean, I know we're like leaning into the you know the the potential for for shooting questions, and let's not worry about spacing and all that. But like, there's no smash need mouth to, basketball, baby. Right? There's no need to like go out of your way to make it worse. And so you can have good defensive integrity, or with Marcus Brian, Ball. leaning into it, making it better. 
That's right. Depends on the way you look at it. It's true. Um, and who's the worst shooting two guard they could I throw mean, out in the line? If you want to um, take on Riley's Knicks, man, you got to be ready. Yeah, you start THT, I guess, in that, in that and just have zero floor spacing. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to do that, Gasol is the starter. I, I, I tend to agree with you right now that Bazemore probably starts. But here's – I'm curious what you think about this because, um, Andy, like – in my head, the guy that I think makes a ton of sense there is Ellington. And somebody as kind of a a steadier hand, I think, a little bit offensively, a more established shooter who is going to instantly create more of the gravity that I think is going to open lanes. Teams are not going to respect Kent Bazemore's shot right off the bat, given the, I, I think, spotty history shot 41 percent last year but he's not historically a great three-point shooter wayne ellington from the jump is the guy who i think instantly spaces the floor for the lakers he's just not as strong defensively right and and that's and so it's it, it, where is vogel gonna go with it i i agree with you i if i had to guess now i'd say baysmore is your day one starter very shaky whatever but I, I, I kind of want to see it work where Ellington could be that guy. Well, but this ultimately, Brian, gets into what I think the lineup should be versus mm. what I think it will be. Because you can make that case for Ellington being in the starting unit to help space things out. And I think Baysmore, assuming, assuming he can maintain even at like a 36, 37% level, you're going to want him out right. there for that defensive versatility because on paper, a Russ... Ellington backcourt could get eaten alive defensively, even acknowledging that Russ can be, I think, a better point of attack uh, defender than maybe his reputation. The two of them together doesn't necessarily give you a lot of confidence. However, the opportunity to have, say, Bazemore and Ellington out there and have your cake and eat it too would also start by like, starting AD at the five. Right, starting AD. And beyond all the stuff that's been discussed before in terms of what is the best lineup for AD in terms of what AD does best, what I think is best for the Lakers in terms of just floor combinations and, and making things a lot simpler, which in in a world with no politics and a world with no preferences, you would play AD at the five. My other thing, though, to be honest, I've got concerns about Gasol in the first unit. Like, I don't think it's actually that natural a fit. They're going to be looking to play, I think, as fast as possible. Frank Vogel talked during Russ's introductory press conference. Oh, yeah. It's the about, one, we, we mentioned yesterday how inspecific they were about how this was all going to work. Russ's answer to everything was basically, we're going to figure it out. And Vogel's answer to everything was, yeah, we're, we're going to figure it out, except for the part where he was right. very specific about running. You're right. Right. And that is somewhere where Gasol does not really fit. I also, too, when you take into account the stuff that you typically look for from Marc Gasol, this unit with LeBron and Russ takes away some of the urgency for his playmaking. There's only going to be so many you know, opportunities for him there, so much responsibility. I mean, we saw a version of this last year with Dennis Schroeder. I mean, one of the, one of the many reasons that I thought Schroeder would have been better served you know, coming off the bench as opposed to what he was doing starting is it alleviates a lot of what you would look for from Gasol, because he, if he's going to have two primary playmakers out there, plus the ball in AD's hands a certain amount because he's Anthony Davis and it should be, you start 
taking away a lot of what he can do as a playmaker. And unless Gasol starts becoming a much more aggressive shooter than we saw last year with the Lakers and also his last season with Toronto, there's only so much he opens up as a floor space. Let me, let me, but I, I, I mean, I agree. Um, I still think, look, just because you don't need his facilitating and his passing as much as a you know perimeter screen setter, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with him. I agree with you. Need you know an aggressive Gasol makes a huge difference. If you are going to start a center who isn't Anthony Davis, there, it has to be Gasol. I, you I don't agree disagree. With that? I, I don't okay. disagree. I'm just saying, again, in a world without politics or preferences, which granted is not the world we live in, you really wouldn't start Gasol and AD at the four. No, you try to. You could add two five. shooters in theory. You keep Ellington yes. on the floor. You add Bazemore. No, I, I would agree that would be ideal. I just don't think that's the world we live in. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about reserve spots and closing lineups and all that because. Uh, th- those are the other halves of all the questions that we were getting in terms of lineup combinations, and particularly at shooting guard, how the Lakers deploy their bench and who gets playing time and maybe who gets squeezed, I think is one of the most interesting things that we're going to see over the course of the first 35, 40, 50 games of the year. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Sweat Block. There are a few things in life that just, they're not fun to talk about. And one of them is excessive sweating. Like if you are sweating through a shirt for no reason, it's embarrassing. Like I don't want to have to worry about that. And that's why I use sweat block antiperspirant wipes. Sweat block, it's stronger, more effective than clinical antiperspirants. You just apply it at night before you go to bed. Then next morning you wake up, you wash, you go about your day. You don't even have to worry about sweat. You can use it once or twice a week and stay dry the entire time. It's guaranteed or your money money back. No more pit stains, no more picking shirts based on what'll hide sweat stains better. And that's a big deal if you happen to be a big deal like me and you do a lot of TV analyst work. A little known fact, Brian, it's not the camera that adds 10 pounds, it's the sweat. And I'll put it to you this way. I mean, it weighs you down. I mean, literally. Right. Absolutely, you know, man. I mean, We've all look, seen Robert Hayes in, in Airplane. You know, it's it just, it, may, it makes you look like a heifer, man. It's unbecoming. And if you know another sweat solution, that is doctor-created, doctor-recommended, featured on Rachel Ray's show, and tested by firefighters, I'm listening. But until then, check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code Locked On or at Amazon and CVS. Uh, Locked On Lakers also brought to you by Rock Auto. I'm not necessarily, Andy, a car guy, but over time, you start to feel comfortable with the things that you can, you can do, you can go handle, like I can go buy you know, an air filter, stuff like that. But I'm still kind of nervous about it. I don't like walking into the store and then the guy starts to shake my confidence. Oh, you want this one? You want that one? No, 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 no. Go over here and get it. And I don't know if he's steering me to the right part. I don't know if he's doing it because that's what he's got in the warehouse. Or Sometimes you're not even sure you're in a car store. I'm not. And it's like, you know, sir, this is an Arby's. Like, no, (laughs) I just, I I, I, I just, it's a lot of bravado, you know? And and so I... I, I, this is why I like rockauto.com. I, 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 once I know what I need, I take out my phone, I go to my computer, I go to rockauto.com and I have nobody hassling me and I can get what I need and, and get it taken care of. Plus Andy, I'm not dealing with the different price tiers that the, 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 the chain stores have professional mechanics and for do it yourselfers like me, I I may not look like it, Andy. I am not a professional mechanic. Uh, rock auto's prices are the same for 
everybody. They are reliably low, 20, 30, even 50% lower than chain stores or new dark, uh, new car dealership there. They got everything I need, engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. That's something I know of. The, the engine control modules, I'm probably going to have a professional do. Uh, but whether it's for your classic car, your daily driver, or a Honda Odyssey like me, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com this question andy after we do we're we're done with the the starting lineups this one comes from lakers in my blood it's not really a question so much as a statement closing lineup of russ Bazemore, ariza lbj that's lebron ad will be elite defensively book it not a question but, quote, concerns about defense are overdone. So, you know, we, we want tacos asked about closing lineups. Lakers in my blood obviously making his uh, his uh, proposal there. Twin Daddy Josh asks the same thing in terms of closing lineups after the big three. What do you have in your closing lineup? Does it match Lakers in my blood? And do you think it will be elite defensively? Well, I mean, first thing I would point out is – whether or not that lineup is elite defensively, the defense does matter because unless you play it at least credibly over the course of a whole game, the unit that you're closing with might be your uh, waving the white flag unit. So it, it, you do have to be good for you know the, the first 43 minutes of a game. If, <laughs> if, if we see too much of whichever plucky white guy they end up with, you know whether it's Reeves or Mac McClung or both, um, things have probably gone wrong or, right. or really um, right. I do agree, though, on paper, the closing unit, particularly defensively, Russ, LeBron, A.D., Bazemore, Ariza, does make a lot of sense. I'm not quite as sold on Ariza as a closing unit defensive staple. I still think he can be a plus useful defender, but he's not quite as versatile as he used to be. And, you know, at, at times with Miami, you know, granted, he hadn't played in a while, but he, he looked a little more vulnerable than we've seen him in the past. He's definitely going to have a shot at being in there because he still is a solid defender. He's still extremely smart, and he he is somebody that can offer a lot of length and experience. One guy that I'm actually interested to see if they can become a closing unit staple or like a semi-staple, Brian, is actually, actually Kendrick Nunn mm. because he's not necessarily a strong defender, but he's not a sieve either. And no, like, he's he's sort of neutral. Like right. you, a lot of the defensive metrics, you go back cleaning glass, the stuff that B Ball Index and you know Tim at, at uh, B Ball Index puts out, he's relatively neutral. Right, and if he can be neutral enough, he's more of an offensive pop than Trevor, which could come in handy during a really tight game that you're either protecting a really close lead or actually trying to extend it. Because because Trevor Nunn can be, I mean, uh, excuse me, Kendrick Nunn can be a lot more effective both as a scorer, uh, floor spacer, but also just a guy that may set up his teammates for better looks too. And, and can create, honestly. Yeah. If you get to the end of the shot clock, you do not want, you know, and the ball is in Kent Bazemore's hands, you're probably not going to get a good finish there. If you get to the end of the shot clock, and the ball is in Ariza's hands, you're not going to get a good outcome there. Kendrick Nunn can make his own offense. And so I, he... He is shrewder like in that in that sense. Um, I thought about that, and I, I, here's my question: Do you think there's going to be a consistent 
fourth quarter, like, you know, kind of book it lineup on the floor outside the big three? Yeah. You do? Okay, because yes. I, I don't. I actually am starting to wonder a little bit. I, mean, I, think that'd be, I think this is the ideal lineup. I think if you could choose it and it works, if is shooting well enough, if Bazemore's shot holds up, and they, the spacing works with that, with the big three and all that stuff. I think this ideally is the lineup that they're going to go with. Stuff never seems to work out that way. And I'm wondering if you could see a little bit of a version of what Frank did in the title season, particularly in the playoffs, where there was a lot of mixing and matching based on individual matchups, where if you're behind and you need to pick up a lead, uh, pick up a little bit, or the 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 backcourt isn't so strong offensively for the other team. You see a little bit more of Nunn and Westbrook, or Nunn or a Westbrook and Ellington, um, if you can hide Wayne in that way. Um, and Wayne and I are are on that level where I can call him Wayne. It's okay. Um, I wonder if every once in a while you might even see Carmelo Anthony if you need a little more floor spacing depending on the matchups you know at, at a four and you slide LeBron down to the three. I it, I'm not a thousand percent convinced that they're gonna there's going to be a dedicated closing lineup. I think they'll try it, but I don't know how sustainable it's going to be over the course of the year, which to me is a theme of this team, which is, it, there's a lot of stuff they're going to throw against the wall to see what sticks, and it might stick differently depending on the opponent. If that makes I mean, sense. look, there's a lot that still needs to play out with you know in terms of figuring out the floor combinations and what works best. I mean, we haven't seen these guys play even a preseason game together, so you know there there is some fluidity. That being said, I do think you're going to have pretty close to a you know if not a definitive five. Pretty close to it, in part because even with what you were describing before, during the title season, it was pretty much always LeBron, AD, KCP, Caruso, then pick a fifth. I mean, for for the most part, that's the way things close. Right, and because but but, but the defined role I think that Caruso played was is sort of no longer available. Like again, if Bazemore comes out and shoots really well. I think it's pretty clear he's going to be the closer. But I think it's going to be – I think Bazemore is going to be in there because if it's a tight game, you're going to need defenders, and they ain't got many to choose from. No. That's part of the reason why I think it's actually going to be fairly consistent is because when I look at the roster, at least on paper, having not seen you know the way these guys play with each other, having not seen potentially a guy like THT or maybe – none you know take the next leap you know the next steps in their progression there aren't that many guys that i look at and say all right it, they look like they could be a fourth quarter guy they look like they could end up one of these closing yeah, guys like right. i don't think that many of them actually stand out who, as potential candidates who do you think who do, do you think sir I, I actually think particularly with the shooting guard spot that you know that ellington uh malik monk THT's in there. I mean, he's going to THT's going to play. You know, at the two and the three, and maybe even some spot one and all that. Like, I, I, you look at the depth chart in the rotation, and like, let's assume that Gasol starts, and even if he doesn't, if AD starts at the five, when he comes out, Dwight comes in. Okay, that makes sense. When Westbrook goes out, most of the time Kendrick Nunn is going to come in. Um, once you get through that, though, there's a lot of of wiggle room here because 
there's Ellington and there's Monk and there's THT and there's Ariza and there's Carmelo Anthony. And, and I actually think, am I missing Westbrook anyone? Too. Well, you know, I think there's Westbrook because I think Westbrook's, Westbrook's going to play, play a lot unit. with that You're second right. unit. So um, yeah, I, I feel like at different points of the season, one of Ellington and Monk is going to get squeezed. I feel like it's really going to be really hard for both of those guys to see significant playing time. I don't think it's and impossible I, both could get squeezed. You're right. And I don't know exactly which one it'll be, but it's the math here on the number of playable players and actual usable rotation spots doesn't work in everyone's favor. No, it doesn't. I mean, good problem to have. I'm just saying it's, sure. but it's, it's a tricky one. I mean, it, it does get back to, again, a little bit of what I was talking about before with the starting five and what is the most sensible way of not just you know creating those floor combinations, but also using all the players that you want to use. Starting Mark Gasol for really no other pressing reason than AD doesn't want to start at the five, you yeah. lose the opportunity you, with that right, one it opens, you're Right, it opens up space. And, and if he doesn't start, he's probably not going to play, which is okay. I, don't, I mean, I, I love Marcus Gasol's career and the guy and all that stuff, but it's like... I, go I think Marcus Gasol's still a really useful player. I just don't know don't, how much he fits with this particular team. I, I, I think that makes some sense. Um, I The good news is, is that you really aren't a lot of guys that you look at and go... I mean, even with some of their deficiencies where you look at it and go, oh, if this guy's playing 25 minutes a night, oh, man, that's that's problematic. Um, I, I, with all the signings that they have, obviously with the big three, the rotation that they built out is filled with credible NBA players. So, I mean, yeah, that that's really important. And that actually gets to one more important consideration that we're getting a question uh, from this one's from Bats and Burpees about consistency and roster consistency and continuity, um, which we'll get to next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week is always tons of sports action on the go. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB. You also got your UFC, your MMA. You've got preseason NFL coming up. Before you know it, you're going to have the actual season. There is always something to be laying a little wager on. So before the next pitch, the next snap, whatever, head to Bet Online on your laptop, your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, contest information. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. You know, Andy, I mean what the conversation we just had is why it was so critical for the Lakers to get Vogel locked up and just yeah. get this over with. Because I mean it's going to require time and experimentation to get this right. For the time and experimentation to work, though, you need players to be on the floor and available. This from at Bats and Burpees. How important do you think roster consistency is to the Lakers' success this year? There are not a lot of returning players, and my fear is that injuries and COVID, oh yeah, could further expose this. I don't feel like it was mentioned when we lost Caruso. Um, continuity and roster consistency, Andy, this year, how important? Massively. It's really, really important. You're talking about it's not just a bunch of new faces. It's Russell Westbrook learning to play with LeBron and AD, surrounded by a supporting cast, learning to play with all of them too, 
which I'm not yes. saying it can't work. You and I have both said we think this team's going to be really good. Yeah, I don't I don't know if we're gonna get to the question from uh next Lakers Dynasty. If we don't do it today, we'll do it, you know, either tomorrow or or into next week about where the Lakers stand relative to other title contenders. I think they are just spoiler alert, they, they are the prohibitive favorite in the Western Conference. I don't think there's any question about that. So yeah, I mean they're gonna be good. But they but still need the people on the floor. They they need the people. They need the reps together. I mean, it just this this is a lot to figure out. It's a lot to integrate. And you know, Russ Russ's many things easily blendable <laughs> is not one of them. And I don't say that to be disparaging towards Russ. He is a really really talented guy who I think can accentuate some of the Lakers' strengths. But you know, he he's not one of those guys that just you know. 30 games into the season, you're like, wow, Russell Westbrook's been on the team. <laughs> Didn't <laughs> you know, even like notice. when we were talking about like guys you could bring in that are okay, you know, DeMar DeRozan, like relatively easy to slide in there and play superstars. I feel like Brad Beal is a relatively easy guy. Like Kevin Durant, with- exceptionally well, easy. Well, he's you the drop him in LeBron, You know, but like we had this conversation a lot with Kuzma last year. You know, it, he would come in, AD would be hurt, LeBron would be hurt, whoever it is. He moves into the starting lineup. He puts up big numbers. And all, and all that stuff is really cool, and it was great to see, and it was fun to watch or whatever, but it was also totally irrelevant because what mattered was what he did in conjunction with playing with those two guys. And so if Westbrook gets hurt or AD is hurt or LeBron is hurt or guys are in on the lineup and – bench player X comes in and does great things, that's good. And it's not. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't have value because it does. But in terms of being meaningful for what it looks like in the playoffs or something like that, it doesn't have a lot because once Russ is back, once AD is back, once LeBron is back, all that stuff changes. The con- context is incredibly important. And you know, for Vogel to do all the experimentation, he's going to need the players available. Uh, particularly the big three. Um, so like the, the the premium on their health, they need 55 games with the three of them together. You know, 55, 60 games ideally with the three. I don't know if they'll get it, but that I think if you could get 60 games with the big three, I think you could figure out what you need to figure out. If you get less than that, it gets harder. Well, you also too, I mean, I think it's really important when you look at the rest of the West and the Clippers are going to be competing for the overwhelming majority of the season, if not all of it, maybe some of the playoffs, without Kawhi Leonard. The the Nuggets are going to go quite a piece of time without Jamal Murray. In order, possibly, you know, I mean, possibly the whole season, right? And obviously, you never root for injuries, but that is part of the game, and also coldly part of the strategy. And if you don't get the fullest opportunity to capitalize on getting your guys together, together, and making yourself better as a team before those other guys are back with a team that knows how to play with them and it just turns into, okay, we got to just get the reps back and the timing back, you're not capitalizing on an opportunity enough. You, I mean, I think I know your answer and I certainly know mine. You think part of the calculation that Palinka made in making the Russ trade was looking at the Clippers, looking at Denver and saying those teams are going to be minimized next year, so let's let's swing big for next year, meaning this year. Yeah, I mean, look, I think... Because I, 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 I do. I think that was absolutely part of the thinking. I think it's part of the thinking. I don't think it's all of it because I think Rob Polink is just a big swinger in general and and he's he runs an organization... Tell that to Mrs. Polinka. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hi-oh! 
Hi-oh! Ah. No judgments. No, no, no. Look, I that's mean, between they, the two of them. Absolutely. I mean, as, <laughs> as long as they're happy, that's all we care about. But, um, you know, I mean, he's part of an organization also that takes big swings for stars. It is what they do and used to be run by one hell of a swinger himself. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Buss was nothing if not a swinger. I mean, there was, I mean, there was, he, he enjoyed USC. I mean, <laughs> I think it's, even when, even when, Doc, look, Andy, you enjoyed the same stuff about USC that he did in terms of yes, the women. it just was much more age appropriate when I did. <laughs> True. I mean, but I'm just saying, you understand what he found appealing about being I, on I, campus. I do. I just, I think there were, I mean, I wouldn't say there were fewer people frowning because it was a different time. There just should have been more people frowning. That kind of shit wouldn't fly today. No, <laughs> there's just a, there's a, you look back on it. I'm but, not, I'm not saying there's but, anything nefarious about what he was no. doing. Absolutely. I'm just, I mean, but just, just, just the, the look would, we look differently now upon, you know, the, the May to December romances as it were. (laughs) Oh, the salad days of being a dirty old man. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's quite like that, but it's, (laughs) it's just one of these, say that. (laughs) It's one of these deals where, It's one of these deals, though, where, yeah, I do think you you have to you have to look at the window, and the Lakers certainly could have done stuff that made it made less pressure, like in even in, even as much pressure as it was already there. Like they jacked it up two or three times by making the Westbrook trade while simultaneously making their jobs harder. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think every game that those three guys don't play, you, you know, you don't have Ellington available for 10 ga- days. You can kind of figure, work around it. You don't have Monk. You can kind of work around it with that, you know, but th- those three guys need to be healthy, not just because they need to figure out how to play together, but so the coaching staff can figure out what guys to put around them, um, in the best way. I, I hope it happens because, this is setting up to be one of the most fascinating basketball experience experiments where you have so many things that can be obviously great with a few things that are really important and obviously problematic. And how do you scheme to maximize the great stuff? And that includes which guys put around them while minimizing the problems. And I, I, I want to see as many games of it as possible. Speaking of that, actually, uh, maybe get in the last question we had uh, when it comes to the roster construction and whether or not this qualifies as a super team from Barrison B. What's up, guys? My name is Barrison or Barrison, not positive. My question is, what is your guys' definition of a super team? The past few weeks, I think the term has been overused. Um, that's obviously not in reference I, to the Lakers. Right. Um, um, here's mine. A team of superstars, and this is you know a, a guideline, it's not hard and fast, but my basically is this when I went back and thought about it. It's a team of superstars in which 50% of or more or of said superstars are imported, and this is important, after becoming superstars. Um, so the Lakers are unquestionably a super team. LeBron arrived, AD traded for, uh, Westbrook traded for. 
Um, literally nothing about this team. The Lakers have <laughs> one player on the roster that they drafted. Right. One. If one. One guy. They are a super team. Brooklyn, super team. Oh, yeah. Imported Durant, imported Harden, imported Kyrie, super team. The Warriors at their peak were not a super team, no, arguably even after KD joined, because KD was the only guy really of importance, I guess, Iggy, but in a supporting role, who was not homegrown. Their core was still Clay, Dre, and Steph. That is a homegrown core. Um, so even after KD joined, you could argue that they weren't a technical super team. Um, super team does not mean you're going to be super good. It just means you're a super team. So right. that's my definition of a super team. No, I completely agree. I mean, you look at like Milwaukee, for example. Not a super team. They're not a super team. Uh, Giannis was their own guy. Chris Middleton, for all intents and purposes, Might as well is be, their right. own guy. And I mean, when they, he got it, and he wasn't a superstar when they No, got he was a throw-in for the trade uh, when they moved Brandon Jennings to Detroit. Uh, do you remember, Brian, who was the big fish at the time that Milwaukee nabbed? I don't. But was that still when they were sort of trying to form the team around Jabari Parker? Brandon Knight. I believe it was believe. Brandon yeah, Knight could be. that was the gem of that deal. And uh, Chris Middleton was considered just a throw-in. But like, you know, the Phoenix Suns, they're definitely not, not a, super a super team. team. You know, the, the Clippers only have two guys at that level. They are not a super team. The Lakers are... You don't think the Clippers qualify? No. Two guys no. imported as no. superstars? You need more than two. I think you need so more you need a, you You only have super team as three or more. Yeah, I think two guys I don't think qualifies as a super team, in my opinion. That, that is not like I don't consider the Kobe Shaq team to have been a super team. They well, were just, no, they wouldn't qualify anyway because only one of those guys was imported. Right. But but either way, no, I don't cons I don't think the Clippers have enough guys to be considered a super team. They were just uh to flip their own parlance, bought, not built. Um, you know, to throw back their okay, stupid old marketing fair. in their face. They were bought, not built, but they are not a super team, in my opinion. Look, the Lakers are a super team, and I know a lot of Laker fans will take umbrage with that because it sounds like, again, you are a team that is purchased versus, I don't know, earned, however you want to put it. Who cares? <laughs> like, really, who, who cares? Guarantees you nothing. Folks, part of the fun of being a Lakers fan is you get all the perks that go along with cheering for a team that gets to build super teams relatively routinely, whether right. they draft them, whether they, you know, back in the day when you could just draft magic and surround him with like seven hall of famers. <laughs> it's like, like it, 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 however it works in whatever era it is, they can buy the team they need. They can trade for the team they need. They get to leverage LA. They get to leverage all of that stuff. That's what makes it fun. So like you want to, not root for that stuff, go be a Timberwolves fan and see where that gets you. Okay? Yeah, I mean, so. it is – I'm not saying that LeBron or Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook don't have genuine pride in their hearts and in their souls being Lakers. This is a mercenary concoction. There is no way around it. It, it absolutely – doesn't make them bad people. No. It just means they're a super team. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, be happy I mean, that you can form one. That would be my thing. Uh, thanks again to everybody else who sent in some questions. Uh, we tried to shout out everybody uh, when they sent them in. We got a couple more that we didn't get to, so we'll save them for the next mailbag. They're good ones. For sure, good questions. We got a lot of great ones, which is why it took the entire half hour and a little bit extra. So um, 
We appreciate it. Make sure you're signing up for Locked on Lakers on YouTube. Jacob Rood from Silver Screen and Roll is going to be our guest for Friday's show. Covered Malik Monk uh, when he was with the Hornets last year, which is really cool because I need somebody to explain Malik Monk to me. Uh, I know Andy's really interested too, so we're going to do that. And Andy knows the Lakers a bunch really of Lakers. well on top of it. Yeah, uh, so. It's going to be a great show for Friday. Make sure you're tuned in for that, and uh, we'll see everybody next time.